Here's Dan Schulman, President and Chief Executive Officer at PayPal, on the discussion Prioritizing Small Business in Economic Recovery, sponsored by PayPal. This idea of how can we help our small business customers really rethink their entire strategy for how do they continue going forward when the world has shifted more and more towards digital is something that we're, I think, uniquely able to go and do. Listen to the entire discussion on WTOP.com. Search PayPal. Politics, power, and the people. From Washington, D.C., this is The Week on the Hill. As our nation mourns over 500,000 Americans who have lost their lives due to this terrible virus, we must act decisively and with great purpose to support our families and communities that are struggling. Let's stop calling it COVID relief when this package is clearly just a payout to progressive priorities. It's time to end this nonsense because the American people are no longer fooled. President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID relief package was the focus of a lot of debate before finally being approved by the House. It's a big step forward for the White House just over a month into the new president's term. I'm WTOP's Mitchell Miller, and the legislation will change as it moves to the Senate. The House measure includes an increase in the minimum wage to $15 an hour, but that can't be included in the Senate measure following a ruling by the Senate parliamentarian. That's because Democrats are pushing the legislation through by budget reconciliation, which has complex rules linked to whether an item has a significant impact on the budget. Under reconciliation, Democrats can pass the overall legislation by a simple majority rather than deal with a filibuster requiring 60 votes. And Democrats literally need every single vote in the Senate, which is divided 50-50 and will require Vice President Kamala Harris to break a tie. Virginia Democratic Senator Tim Kaine has been a big supporter of the legislation and spoke about where it goes from here with reporters from his home in Richmond. We are hot and heavy and thick in the middle of the negotiations on the first COVID bill of the Biden administration, which will be, I call it ER1, emergency relief. And after we do ER1, we'll do ER2, economic recovery. This emergency relief bill is important, extended unemployment benefits and other support for families and small businesses supports for state and local governments, school systems and universities so we can start to open up our schools and our child care centers and significant support for uh, greater vaccination and the health care needs, including keeping our own healers healthy, the mental health of our healers who have seen so much challenge in the last year. I am very confident that we will pass that bill in the Senate. Could be Thursday, could be Friday, could be Saturday. It will be a grueling session. But we're going to pass it. We're going to send it to the president's desk. There's still controversial issues, things being negotiated. But the end result, in my view, is not in doubt. We need to do this. It needs to be big and we will make it happen. But the House's top Republican, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, has a very different view of the legislation. Ninety five percent of the funding in this bill isn't even scheduled to be spent for another year creating more uncertainty for families. And in fact, less than 9% of the bill will be used to fund public health. This isn't a relief bill. It takes care of Democrats' political allies 
while it fails to deliver for American families. As Congress deals with the pandemic, it's also dealing with the aftermath of the deadly January 6th attack on the Capitol. Several hearings have been held to try to figure out exactly what went wrong and led to such a massive security breach. Congresswoman Jamie Herrera-Butler of Washington State is among those who are highly frustrated with what they've heard from Capitol Police officers, who say they had little guidance as the mob overwhelmed them. That led to a lot of pointed questions and comments for the acting Capitol Police Chief Yogananda Pittman as she testified before a House subcommittee. As the insurrection was happening on the House floor, getting to the House floor, um, it was very clear that their headpieces, like the, the communications pieces, they were getting no actual real communication. They were getting no leadership. They were getting no direction. They had they, there was no coordination. And you could see the fear in their eyes like they literally they're the brave men and women who were just kind of left out on their own to defend did the best they could with what they had. I think it's a multi tiered failure. The executive team here has taken a number of proactive steps to ensure that incident command protocols are adhered to in the future. Pittman says her department had intelligence that suggested white supremacists and extremist groups, some of them armed, would be in Washington on January 6th. But she says there was no specific indication that the crowd would try to break into the Capitol. It's estimated that more than 10,000 people filled the Capitol grounds and at least 800 people actually stormed into the Capitol itself. More than 250 people have been charged. And Pittman says there's concern that the Capitol remains the focus of additional threats. Members of the militia groups that were present on January 6th have stated their desires that they want to blow up the Capitol and kill as many members as possible. Pittman says that threat relates to the State of the Union address, though no date for President Biden's address has been set. So for now, that means the fencing with razor wire, along with armed National Guard troops, will remain in place around the Capitol. While lawmakers agree that security improvements are needed, members of both parties have said they eventually want the fencing to come down and for Guard members to be able to leave Washington. One congressman says he feels like coming to work at the Capitol is now like coming to a minimum security prison. I'm WTOP's Mitchell Miller, and this is The Week on the Hill. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.